Tumbling Saber is proud to present the Luminous Beings Podcast. Deep dive conversations into the heart of Star Wars. Brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Patreon community. Become a powerful friend today and get access to tons of our exclusive and early access audio content at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Luminous Beings, where we take deep dives into the heart of Star Wars. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. I'm Nathan. Welcome back, everybody. So this week, uh, or this month, or this whatever this, whatever interval of time it's been since the last one, um, <laughs> we thought it would be a good idea. We've got a bunch of episodes coming up where we want to get the answer, where we want to speculate uh, on a certain topic before the answer is given to us. Because some of these things, we suspect the answer is coming relatively soon. So we want to talk about it and see how how close to the mark we can get. So this month, uh, this episode, we're talking about Luke Skywalker and his year between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And specifically, we want to know, uh, with the main run coming to a close, the main Marvel comic title coming to a close very soon with issue 75, um... It, it looks like exploring Luke's story during this time may be shifted to some other medium. And so before Lucasfilm answers that question for us, I thought we should take a look at where we leave Luke in Empire Strikes Back and look ahead to what that year between uh, episodes 5 and 6 may look like. So, so Nathan, what does that look like to you? Well, I think Luke goes to college. I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> Takes a one year, one year intensive program. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, he sits in a few classes. I don't know. He probably can't afford to enroll. But... Learns like one of those intensive uh, learn how to learn how to run a printing press type courses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just two colors uh, though. Four color, you got to take the two year course. Oh, that's way too much. Way too <laughs> much. Uh, well, I mean, you said, and it's and it's common. You know, commonly said that uh, it's a year between five and six, but I don't know if if it's actually a year. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, we don't know when, when, when we're going through the movies. You know, it's it's between one and two, it's ten years. Between two and three, it's three years. Between you know, we and we do that, and we always slot in a year between empire and jedi but i don't know and i don't know if it was actually ever completely spelled out in legends but especially in the new canon it's definitely not established exactly how long it it is between those two movies uh i mean it could be as few as you know six weeks for all we know uh, that plan in return of the jedi is not exactly <laughs> a complex one yeah, it's not exactly something that would take a year to plan. You know, you'd think they would have had something a little more secure than that if they had had a, a full year to, to Wait, plan you know, it the, out. The only thing I have to go on canonically is that timeline they showed at D23. 
where they where Return of the Jedi is one tick on that dotted line past Empire. Now they could just be rounding up to the next notch on the line, or it could actually be one year. That but is a good point. That's the most definitive uh, we've ever seen. That that is a year between there. You're right. I hadn't thought of that. That that timeline has come in handy a couple times now. Where it's like, wait a sec, what what is the passage of time? I know, and it's such a new thing. I think it'll take time for us to go you know, to to get used to referring to that timeline. But that is the closest thing. Yeah. But your your point stands though. Like, it could be ten months, and they just could be rounding up. Like it could be six months. We don't know. We just don't fully know. But I'm I'm just sticking with the the commonly held. Uh, agreement, I guess, understanding that it's it's been a year. Yeah, and I, I want it to be much less than a year <laughs> because I don't like the idea of them just letting Han sit there in that block of carbonite for a year before they actually make a move, you know? Yeah, it seems I like look, that's that... something they could have taken care of the next day. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I understand you've got a rebellion, you've got this new Death Star, you've got all this stuff going on, but Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such a bizarre thing because it's like, well, it, it, first of all, it's not going to take you a year to get to Tatooine. Nothing takes a year to travel no. to. It's like, what what really was the holdup? Yeah. So I want it to be, you know, a couple of months at the most. But I, I, I do want some some interesting rebellion stories in there as well i don't want it to be completely months and months of them just trying to you know they've, they've still got their responsibilities i mean they all have military ranks i mean they're subject to to orders so i want them to still have missions to go on for the rebellion but i still want a through line of them gathering intel or or setting things, you know, into motion for this plan to rescue Han. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like again, because that that plan that they eventually came up with it didn't it just like it's not an Akbar level plan where it's like this is this is gonna be intricate, guys. Like it was is it it was a okay, you go in and then I'll come in after you and then I will come in after you <laughs> and then we'll spring him out. It, it's that simple. Like they could have figured that out any time. And you know, when we leave Empire. You're, where when Empire ends, that final scene, it's it very much leaves you with the with the impression that Chewie and Lando are going right there right now. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Like they're going, which yeah. makes sense. It would make sense that they would go rescue their their friend immediately. But it took them a year to actually bring it all to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean that begs the question: Have Lando and Chewie seen? the rest of the gang at all up leading up to, well, I guess, I guess Chewie and Lando had to infiltrate Jabba's or well, not Chewie, but who am I thinking? It's like, it's, yeah. it's weird, right? Cause Chewie it's, leaves yeah. with Lando and then he <laughs> arrives with Leia. Yeah. Maybe Chewie set up a temporary base on Tatooine or something while Lando was infiltrating Jabba's guard. Uh, Maybe yeah, he, maybe he's just squatting strange. at Luke's place. Yeah, I I mean I guess it make <laughs> yeah I guess it makes sense that Chewie would want to be on Tatooine where Ta, uh, where Han is being kept. It kind of makes sense, but it it seems strange that Chewie would just be willing to just sit there for 
however long waiting. Yeah, like you would think stuff. that Chewie would just want to tear the block off the wall and carry him out on his shoulders, yeah, and just deal yeah. with. Yeah, just I'm just gonna get him out of here, and we'll I'll figure out how to chip him out after. <laughs> yeah, I mean at the at the end of Empire, Han, uh, Lando and Chewie were you know kind of an, had a tense relationship, so <laughs> them living together and Lando managing to keep Chewie from barging in there seems a little unlikely to me. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird ending. And considering how things get picked up in, in Return of the Jedi, but uh, with regards to Luke, we have no idea what he's done in that year off. None. No. We know that we all we know is that he shows up at Jabba's palace, looking a lot more powerful. He's a, he's a, there's a different aura around him, and you know, his world gets shattered. I mean, I guess having your world turned upside down in the final act of Empire has a way of doing that like you know you, you hear the worst thing imaginable you lose your hand and your lightsaber in the process and all this happens while you're you're out there you're trying to rescue your friends from darth vader it's like the, the guy that you've been looking to get your hands on for the last three years you think you can beat this guy you want to be the hero and and be this exciting jedi traveling the galaxy taking down vader and in the end like luke has to be rescued by the people he set out to rescue himself yeah you know, for a guy who's like who shows up on Bespin brimming with confidence, maybe a little trepidation, but I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to save my friends. He got knocked down a bunch of pegs. And I think that that might have a way of, of changing your worldview. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's Luke is Luke is interesting because. You know, his training you definitely get the impression in Return of the Jedi that Luke hasn't been back to Dagobah since Bespin, since he left for Bespin. I don't get that sense. Do you? I kind of do, only because he says, I have a promise to keep to an old friend. And it sounds like that's the last thing he said to Yoda before leaving Dagobah and Empire. So it's, yeah. it seems like he's bringing that promise around. Which to me, it sounds. I, I always took it as he he had not been back to Dagobah, which strikes me as really really weird. And so I've always wondered, why? Why if he didn't go back, why didn't he go back? Yeah, and I guess, I guess he had enough. Um, he had learned enough from Yoda to be able to sort of train on those those things himself. Um, but you know, where does he learn Force Choke? It's not like he ever saw Vader do it, you know, like, <laughs> so where's he picking these things up from? Yeah, um, fair point. I mean, we, we also know that Luke has found repositories of, of true of knowledge. So who knows? But like, it's, I, I wonder, like, it's, it's not crazy to me to think that he, he'd be very angry with Yoda. You know, he was already mad at Obi-Wan for not telling him ab about Anakin, about telling the truth about his, his father. Mm -hmm. And there's Yoda compl complicit in that as, as well, as far as Luke's concerned. So maybe he stayed away from Dagobah because he was, you know, this is the second master I've had that has lied to me. So maybe he's got that little bit of mistrust for that year. And, you know, that, that dovetails nicely with uh, Anakin's lack of trust coming into Re Revenge of the Sith. So maybe there's a little parallel there. But yeah, like... Luke kind of complains to Yoda about it in, in Return of the Jedi, and 
maybe the only reason he's not more outwardly aggressive or confrontational to Yoda about it is, is because Yoda's on his deathbed. So you're not going to mm-hmm. chew him out and really give him the business if when this little green dude's dying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. That's so fair. I, I wonder if it's, or, you know, I wonder if it's a little bit of shame. You know, he rushed off. He rushed off from, from his training on Dagobah initially. And um, I wonder if he just, you know, tail between his legs type thing. Didn't I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't have to admit that I shouldn't have left in the first place. I think there's any, there's any number of reasons that would make sense why Luke didn't go back. Yeah, the, it could be anything, but that that's the part of the problem is I want those things answered. <laughs> yes, I want those questions answered. Absolutely, definitely, definitely. And Hopefully also, we will soon. I think so. I hope so. It, it seems like we were. It seemed like we were getting there. Yeah. But yeah, because like we said, like at, at the end of Empire, you get the impression the first thing they're going to do is get Han back. And yeah. It's yeah. It's it's weird. It, it's a weird thing for me. So what exactly was Luke? doing was he hanging out on his own like did he did he hang out on Tatooine by himself just meditating and and getting comfortable with himself as as a force user but uh there's that scene in uh there's that scene in Return of the Jedi it's a cut scene where Luke is piecing together that that the green lightsaber Mm -hmm. right so that to me was a big part of his year between because when we think if when we think of Luke's year between Empire and Jedi, if he's weaponless, you know, it it, it wouldn't make for very you know, quote unquote exciting stories. Most I think most people I think it's fair to say most people want their Jedi to have a lightsaber on their hip and to be able to use it whenever they like. Yeah, Luke doesn't have one. And I think, the, again, it's not definitive, but the common understanding is that Luke only really gets his at at Jabba's palace. That's kind of the first time he swings it into action. Now, that can be easily retconned, but I think, I think easily one of the storylines they could work on with Luke in that year is him questing, finding the pieces for his saber, fi- and finding that elusive kyber crystal. Where did that come from? And I think there's a a good story there that as Luke kind of builds himself back up personally, so too does he kind of build up his lightsaber culminating with that scene. Maybe they just canonize that scene once and for all in a, in a comic or a story somewhere where he puts together that, that green saber once and for all. That's my hope. Like I, I want to, I still want him to go through the, uh, you know, like, like we've seen in the clone wars, going and finding his own kyber crystal in a crystal cave. Um, that might be a little more difficult <laughs> if uh, Palpatine has been blasting Ilum uh, in preparation for Starkiller Base <laughs> or just to mine for the Death Star. But uh, I'm sure there are, obviously there are other places he could go. Yeah, and I, th- I think it would be important for them to, to flesh out that kind of story. I think it's, it would be important for Luke's character. For us, yeah. anyway, as 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 you know, people who will read anything with Star Wars on it, I think I think it'd be good character building for Luke to go out on that quest by himself, learning about the Jedi, about the Force, and where is he going to get this Kyber crystal from? Because he's always, if it, if we learned anything from that 
from the 70 plus issues from that we've have had in the Marvel run so far, it's that Luke is desperate for a teacher. Obi-Wan's dead. Yeah. He doesn't know about Yoda yet. He's desperate for a teacher. And one of those things that one of the things they keep doing is sort of like dangling a carrot in front of him that, oh, here's the th- person that might teach him something and they take it away. Yeah. yeah. So this could, this could be a good opportunity for them to put Luke on, on a path to have to figure it out for himself and really get it done this time. Well, and that's the thing, like as long as he still has to go on that quest for his own crystal, I would love for that deleted scene to be canon again. Um, you know, I mean, he does, he's not going to have an ancient Jedi droid to help him build his kyber crystal and, you know, float the pieces together and all that. You know, it makes sense that he would be there with his screwdriver. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, I don't know. It, it just fits with what Luke has been through, through the whole trilogy that he, you know, he's there hands on. He's got a. Well, I mean, he's got to improvise basically everything he does. You know, all of his training, so much of it is self-taught. Um, and a lot of it is spur of the moment. You know, he, he, he doesn't really get a chance to plan for these things. Uh, I just reread um, uh, Weapon of a Jedi, that uh, Jason Fry book that came out, uh, Journey to the Force Awakens. And he goes to Deveron. Uh, to the template based on just the visions that the force gave him. And a couple times he hears Obi-Wan's voice, um, but he was actually on his way somewhere else <laughs> on a mission for the rebels. And he kind of just ended up there accidentally, but he finds this Jedi temple and basically these Jedi uh, training droids basically just through sheer persistence and Luke's will, he kind of learns to see through the force. And it's actually some beautiful imagery, uh, the way Jason Fry describes Luke uh, seeing through the force and, and what thing kind of like life is these bright spots in the sea of blackness. It's, it's really, really beautiful in that book, but that's Luke's story is, happenstance chance finding things finding temples and and artifacts by by sheer coincidence uh and improvising and him you know hands-on doing what he needs to do to make these things work and uh make them work for him and i like that's what i like about that deleted scene is before the jedi were kind of had this infrastructure behind them to facilitate their training. But Luke is out here doing it on his own, really roughing it. And that using that screwdriver to me is so much a part of Luke's story throughout that whole trilogy. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's always had to kind of do things the, the down and dirty way. Yeah. You know, there's always there's always those fan art pictures out there which are nice, but of Luke in this meditative state and all the different components of the saber sort of hovering over him. I think they did this in Clone Wars too, right? Where you had to kind of like put your saber together using the Force kind of thing. Yeah, and that's that just doesn't seem like Luke's style to me. <laughs> no, he would put it together with his hands. And he well, he he does 
he probably doesn't really have anybody to tell him that that's how that's the way it's done, you know. And he grew up on a farm. He's probably thinking, okay, well, when you take things apart and put things back together, you use a screwdriver. And if it that doesn't did, work, you use a hammer and you smash it together. Yeah, it probably doesn't occur to him to assemble it with the force, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's you know for all these things talks you know specifically about Ray and how does she do know this? Sometimes the force just tells you. And that is yeah. that's kind of almost like a plot armor thing, and it, I'm not always super comfortable with that, but it's a bridge that's been crossed with Star Wars many times years oh, ago. Yeah. That just the Force made it happen. Okay, great. The Force could have told Luke any number of things. He could have gotten a vision, any any number of abilities or uh, truths could have uh, just popped into Luke's head. Oh, here. This is how I'm supposed to build a saber and just hover it all together. Maybe the only way, you know, sometimes you need to feel like you need to have eight arms in order, order to get all the pieces together. But what if <laughs> yeah. the force were those eight arms for you? You could you could see Luke kind of coming to that sort of realization. Yeah. But I completely agree that Luke, by character, is somebody who would roll up his sleeves, get out the screwdriver, the, the welding torch, whatever, and put it together himself. And I, I do hope we get that story. Yeah, I, I I do too. I think I think that's I, at this point. I think it's really the biggest missing part of Luke's Luke's journey uh, to becoming a Jedi. I mean, it's the actual learning to use the Force itself. That's all kind of abstract, and and we've gotten plenty of that through you know whether it's YA novels or novels or or. Uh, the comics or the movies, whatever it we've gotten a lot of that, but that's sort of like a critical part of becoming a Jedi is getting your lightsaber. I mean, we saw that in Clone Wars, like getting your lightsaber is a, is a big deal. The life seemingly life threatening ordeals the Jedi would put the Padawans through to get their lightsabers, lightsaber crystals. So, <clears throat> To me, it's 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 a big missing piece of Luke's journey to becoming a Jedi. Yeah, because all of the Jedi on screen in the eight and I'm going to guess probably nine episodic movies, nobody's ever really had to go through the ringer to get to get a saber. Like even Anakin, like he lost his Attack of the Clones saber. And then by episode three, he's got the legacy Skywalker saber. Yeah, but we still. I yeah. at least I'm not aware of of us learning where he got the crystal for that saber. If it's if he salvaged it, no, he I guess he couldn't have. Um, where did he get that? You know, you would think at some point we would have been told these stories, but on screen, it just doesn't seem to be something important to the to the storytellers. But on the Clone Wars front, the animated side, you know what happened with Ezra? It's happened. Has it happened in print? I don't recall but they've in in the expanded canon in the disney era they've they have gone to some lengths to show us that yeah getting a saber is a big big deal yeah the only example in in print i think is probably ahsoka healing the inquisitor's crystal that's true yeah and that was another thing i was going to bring up because um you know at the outset when i said you know uh luke you know, if he's weaponless between these two films, 
and we're eventually going to get stories of the uh, of Luke in this time period. It'll be it'll be a different tone to the story because he's not going to have a lightsaber to like you know to put some thrust into the action scenes, unless there are no action scenes, in which case it's a it might be a really boring read. But that it takes me over to the Ahsoka novel where she was also basically weaponless in that film or in that story until the very very end where she uh, she heals those those the two crystals from the uh that she recovers from the inquisitor but it, like the story i don't think really suffered for it so i you know i guess they could do it um but i, I think there, there's also a line somewhere in a, some book or I, i'm pretty sure it was in a book but it, it's along the lines of as long as a jedi has the force like no jedi is ever weaponless mm-hmm. i don't remember i it could even be the ahsoka book so I, I guess they could do that with Luke as well, is just have him implement other Force abilities, like the Force choke, if they really wanted to. I I, I think I'd actually really like that, because God knows, in the, <laughs> in the comics and some of the books, they are not shy about him using that lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, for, and oh God, for sure. Sometimes it's just like, guys, come on, like half the fun of Empire Strikes Back is that Luke had a lightsaber and a blaster. <laughs> like, that's that's who he is at that point. He's not... On Bespin, he's shooting storm at sh- stormtroopers. He's not totally reliant on the lightsaber yet. So why, in these three years leading up to Empire, is he so reliant on the... Anyway, that's just a... A nitpick on my part, but <laughs> no, it's true though. He's he's always got that blaster strapped to his to his hip, and it's even he's even when he's facing Vader on Bespin, you'd think if, if you're that desperate, Luke, try it to do something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's as far as we know, he's never. Well, I guess, I guess you could say, well, in the comics, he's seen Vader deal with blaster fire before you know it doesn't fare very well (laughs) you know what i think a major mistake was is in the very first arc of the marvel run they put luke and vader face to face in a lightsaber duel it was a little quick wasn't it yeah like we're talking like a couple weeks after a new hope yeah they put luke and vader together like Luke should not have survived that encounter it 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 should never to me that never should have happened i get that they're trying to sell a a comic series and putting those two together was epic or could have been seen that way. But I thought it, and if, again, like how, what percentage of, of star Wars fans are act are, are movie fans and comic fans? 5%, 10. Yeah. For most people, it never even registers, but I thought it was a, it was a big, big mistake to put those two together at that point. Yeah, well, I understand he probably wanted to get that fight in uh, before the arc where Vader finds out who Luke is. But I also kind of think that that arc, uh, I love that the arc in, in both the comics, the Vader and the Star Wars comic. But I think that that was a little early, too. I mean, you're talking what? weeks after Yavin. Yeah. And Vader's finding out. So then you've got three years of Vader knowing and just kind of, you know, farting around the galaxy doing other stuff before he finally 
deals yeah, with Luke. He finally gets to Hoth. And it, it's, it seems weird that Luke's running around the galaxy, basically begging for someone to train him. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's dabbling in the forest. He's, tra- he's, you know, but he's super careless. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know how to protect himself. He doesn't know how to conceal his, his force abilities. It's strange that it, took vader that long to find him yeah and and of course exactly inserting comics and novels it makes it every time they do this it makes it stranger because they keep adding more points into the story where it's like well vader would have detected this come on but when is when in a world where there was just movies i guess it could have made perfect sense that it would take that long that that vader would never find him it's a huge galaxy what's you know we don't know what luke was doing in terms yeah. of when when but we just had movies, but actually they're running into each other every like every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, Vader down. Yeah, you know it's like. <laughs> but also, you've got that's like three years uh, before Vader and Palpatine have a conversation about Luke. This is like, true. <laughs> it's it's just I don't know uh, the way that works out. I'm not a fan of. I'll tell you another thing. While we're on the subject, <laughs> here's our tangent for the episode. I think it was the last episode, uh, last issue of the Star Wars comic. Did you notice when Luke grabbed his lightsaber from that girl's hand? Yep. War- with the Force? Absolutely. I, mean, I was like, what? <laughs> I, that type of thing makes me want to pull my hair out of my head. Oh, my God. I, I, he I, like... I, I was speaking to Marie and Michelle about that. I'm like, hey, how could like Luke... The Luke from Empire Strikes Back could barely pull it out of the snow. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? That that to me was an absolute huge lapse in, in continuity. If the you know, if these books are edited, and there's no reason to think they aren't, because there's an editor listed in the credits at the beginning. How is that panel in the book? Oh. Well, well, for one thing, we know that editor is a piece of shit. So, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I've loved Pack's run so far. Like, I love literally everything else about his run has been excellent. Noto's artwork, the whole thing. That one, like, what is it? Two panels, and it's like, oh, just slap the forehead moment. Yeah, I, okay. I wonder how what justification was used for that. Was he just momentarily confused? I doubt that. Did he say, well, you know, did he justify it by, well, Luke's saber in Empire was actually frozen in the snow, so it made it a little harder, which I, I can't buy. Well, I mean, you know, well, he had a concussion. He was, sure, okay. It's just unnecessary. It's like he could have just grabbed it with his hand. I just, uh I was so frustrated. Anyway. That was frustrating, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely no doubt. So, all right, so to bring it all to a close here about Luke and his, his journey between episodes six and seven, I see him finally really isolated, off on his own, licking his wounds, getting a lot of training on his own. Maybe even he's, maybe he gets his hands on some more Ben Kenobi journals. And with with regards to his lightsaber, like, Maybe they make it much more of a intentional choice that his green saber looks a lot like Kenobi's saber. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe he finds schematics for Kenobi's saber and says, "Well, this is all I've got to work with, so I will try to mimic this as best I can." I, I think the understanding now is that it, it's sort of a tribute 
Yeah. Tribute to I, a man I, he's currently pissed with, which is weird. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, we do we think that he's talked to Ben between um, what we see in Empire and Jedi? Do we think? I, I also get the impression there that he hasn't communed with Ben. Yeah. In that I, time. I, I always tend to think that there's fewer conversation force ghost conversations than more like even even i thought that uh, luke with yoda in, in the last jedi was their first meeting since uh since jedi just the way that luke said master yoda like it's been a while yeah. but it turned... yeah, i think I, there was something recently i think where uh, i can't remember what it was where i feel like they mentioned that he had talked to them like he had had their help yes, when he was establishing uh, the temple. There was, uh, if we're talking about the same thing, there's a book coming up. Is it the Delilah Dawson book about the Skywalkers? Oh, no. It's uh, it's that Luke's journal. Um... Yeah, it's the book that kind of outlines the, the history of the Jedi kind of thing. And it's told yeah, through I, Luke's eyes. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now or who it's by, but yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, there is a section where it talks about four spirits and how Luke has sort of communed with each of them during his time. Yeah. Including Anakin, which is like, what, you, you guys are just going to gloss over that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, though. I need that conversation badly. <laughs> badly. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of strange because it kind of feels like Luke took a sabbatical from his training. <laughs> Between uh, between Empire bet- and Jedi, you think? Yeah, but at the same time, he's gotten more powerful. He's got his lightsaber. Like it's kind of, it's kind of, because I was gonna say maybe Ben was helping him construct the saber, but then, like I said, it seems to me that they haven't talked at all. I I don't know. It's it's kind of strange. It is a murky period because, like you said, like the there's so much to sort of unpack with Luke. It's his feelings about his old masters, not, not to mention his dad, his, his duty to the rebellion. Where does that fall on the, his hierarchy of, of, of things that he needs to do? Is it, I always got the sense that training as a Jedi was at least as important to him as his duties with the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's true. It, I mean, he's a commander. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not like he's a nobody within the ranks of of the rebellion, but I also get the feeling that he he would walk away from that in order to train. I don't think he would. I think we differ there. I don't I don't think he would I think he would prioritize the rebellion. You can, over I can his see, training. I, I can see it either way where he's like, "Yeah, these are my friends. This is my you know? this is my family. I've got to stay here and 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 fight." But I can also yeah. see it where he says, this is something I have to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you, you know you, you, Leia, you'll always be able to reach me. Like now that they've they've built that sort of connection through the force together, he can always say, you know how to reach me. And he True, but, back. but at this point, Luke is still rogue leader, right? I, he is at Battle of Hoth. Yeah, so unless he resigned that, it's hard to say, isn't it? 
maybe he resigned that position and Wedge took over because Wedge is rogue leader in the, at Endor, I think. Yeah, and and of course there was that whole Rogue Squadron series of books, which of course yeah, are not I, canon, but yeah, picking up on that thought, they Wedge became yeah the leader of that squadron. So maybe you're right. Maybe he just at some point passed off that title. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you might be right now that I think about it. Maybe Luke resigned his position to focus more. He's like, listen, if I've got to take on Vader, or if I've got to take on the Emperor then I'm going to need to to train up. When did we, in Return of the Jedi, is he referred to by any official rank? I don't think he is. I, th- I want to say Commander Skywalker. Still, I think he's still a commander. I mean, the only time he would have heard it is in the briefing room. Yeah, I can't one. remember. I can't remember. Because <laughs> he kind of just shows up at the last second. I'm with you too. And nobody really says, oh, Commander Skywalker, hey. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. I uh, He might resign as rogue leader, but I don't think he would resign from the rebellion. So he would keep his rank, I would assume. Yeah, or unless you're just like, you know, special attache to the rebellion. We get Luke, you, you're a special thing unto yourself. You've got these abilities. We... You're the only one here that's going to be able to take out Vader. You're, so you're here, but we understand that you have you have a much bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Hmm. It's a tough one. I mean, and it as, as we sort of peel this onion, we can see how how intricate maybe this this year between is. It's it probably well, requires some careful planning. Well, I think the only story we have is. Um... That that Leia book. Uh, is it Greg Rucker? No, Rucker wrote smoke. Um, who wrote that book? I can't remember what it's called now. It's the YA Journey to the Force Awakens novel. Something about Leia. I do, yeah, she's on the cover. It's like it's been, her, a, her, been a while. Look, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I'm trying to reread some of that stuff because I'm hoping that it'll take on uh, some. Uh, some better context now that we're a little farther into the new canon, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I just hope that that period of time, whether it's weeks, months, year, uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I need it to, I need everybody to be really busy to justify not going after Han. Like the, the longer amount of time it is, uh, the busier I need all the characters to be to justify not going after Han. Yeah, maybe Lando's the... Well, it seems evident that Lando's the first one in. And maybe his assessment of the situation is that, guys, like he's... Whatever, he, he at nighttime when he gets a little bit of time to himself, he sends a little communique back to the Rebellion. This, this is going to be harder than we thought. Yeah. Like, the guard is really up here. Jabba's got his... His... Radar up. He knows that we're going to come for... Somebody's going to come for Han. Boba is vacationing here for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's going to... We just can't storm the palace here. Because I, I was... I, now that, you know, now that Star Wars has sort of expanded exponentially since 83, I've always had this thought that... Why send your top people? Why send Leia? You know, why send Luke and, and you know, the droids and whatever else to get Han? 
Just send Captain Rex with a strike team. They'll have him out in 15 minutes and Jabba will be no more. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> oh, God, it's it's so hard to justify now. It is, it's right? Because so, like, that whole 45 minutes to, to start you know, uh, Return of the Jedi, it's it's so classic. Yeah. All those thugs, the whole aesthetic to that, seeing our heroes kind of presenting on screen one at a time, you're like, yes, our, they're back. They're coming one at a time. It over t- as, as time goes on, the whole idea of that rescue makes less and less sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it makes me wonder about Lando too. How did uh, Lando infiltrate the palace? Because, I mean, we've seen in Solo just like 10 years before he's a pretty famous guy so you think Pro- somebody prodigious. at prodigious yeah yeah you think somebody at at Jabba's palace you think Jabba would recognize Lando Calrissian yeah unless they're going to be very careful about keeping those two apart in, in in canon but that said Boba Fett is standing right there 10 feet to Lando's left Exactly, exactly. Maybe when, you know he was. Maybe stand- Lando goes to Jabba and is like, "Listen, the Empire took my mining facility. I'm, I'm broke. I'm ruined. I need a job. I've got connections. I can work for you." <laughs> yeah. But it's weird, right? Because there's there's shots of Empire Strikes Back with Lando and Boba in the same shot, standing yeah, just it's... feet apart. And and, it... Unless Lando's posing as somebody else, I mean, it's who knows, but you think somebody would notice. Yeah, you think with you know somebody with Boba Fett's skills would be like, "Hey, wait a sec." He was in the room when Han Solo was frozen. Boba Fett, who can probably tell clones apart, <laughs> wouldn't recognize Lando. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. We should probably stop poking holes in this. <laughs> yeah. This is this is why we need these gaps filled in. I mean, it, and I hope it's somebody, uh, you know, somebody like like Lucino. I would like to tackle this. Someone who's good at like I mean, you look at Catalyst and all the moving parts that he had to deal with with that book. Uh, I think I think this has just as many or more moving parts. <laughs> As Rogue, uh, Rogue One tie-in did. So I think somebody like Lucino, uh, somebody who with with an eye for detail would be great to start to fill in some of this these details. Yeah, and again, it's a pretty intricate year or gap of time that needs to be planned out. But we definitely need it. That's for sure. I just wonder where, because now with the Marvel run ending, where does this story get shifted to? Is this part of Project Luminous? Is this part of one of the upcoming ongoings that we're going to hear about is it a a mini series that has yet to be announced? I don't know. I and I, to be honest, I couldn't even tell you what the best way to approach this is anymore. Yeah, you and I, I know you and I had a lot of theories and ideas for what might be coming in that regard, and uh, it, it looks like we were wrong on all fronts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, what do we know? Nothing, which is fine because I like being surprised. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, that's that. I mean, I guess that about does it for Luke in this this year. That I've got really not much else to add at this point. Any final words on your end? No, it's just give it to me. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say that about a lot of things, Star Wars, but <laughs> specifically with this, it's it's a year that we need. It felt like we were going to get it, and now maybe not. But um, yeah, I'm sure it's it's too tantalizing. They're going to tell us all of this at some point, and uh, I I will be here for it, and as I'm sure a lot of you will as well. But uh, that, that'll do it for this episode of Luminous Beings. Uh, if you want to leave us some feedback or send a question for a future topic, send an email to tumblingsaber at gmail.com or uh, drop that in the Tumbling Saber Facebook group. Uh, we're also out there in the Twitterverse. I'm at Tumbling Saber, and Nathan, you're at? N-A-F Roberts. So that, that'll, that'll do it, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll check in with you next time on Luminous Beings. And until then, may the spires keep you. Bye. Thank you.